Hello, everybody, and welcome Hi. to Girls Like Us. I'm Sophie. I'm Franny. Um, we know we have a lot of new listeners this week. That's very yeah. exciting. <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink. Um, I guess now we can talk about kind of like from the perspective of folks. Like it's always kind of like like they interview people after they've gone viral, and it's like, mm-hmm. what is it like? And I can say now that it's uh, exhilarating whiplash feelings i'm getting stopped exactly. on the street people are like don't you guys host that podcast i yeah, know i don't and know I'm what like, your faces look like but right and i'm like yeah. we do they they can tell because it's like my because voice of our kind hair. of right the hair <laughs> because of they're my like undercut in your bangs they're like we know right. they're like we know who you, you are host. yeah exactly they're like we have your number um it's yeah. all kind of happening um but mm-hmm. no in all seriousness um we have a lot of new listeners, so that's very exciting. So, um, hello. I guess, how was your week otherwise, Fran? Let's see. What did I do this week? Um, my mom was in town, and um, so I got to see her a little bit, and that was great. Um, we stayed at an Airbnb, which felt very luxurious to me. Oh, that's fun. Where you was know, it? Obviously, in these uncertain times, there's not a lot of room for you know, vacation or travel. So to me, going to an Airbnb, <laughs> approximately a 25-minute a walk away from my apartment felt great. Sexy. Yeah. How was your week? I heard you had some dog-watching responsibilities that were yeah, upon was, you. Yeah, the people I babysit for just kind of, in that way that I guess people do, they mm-hmm. kind of left town and they what they chose to do was not take their dog with them nor hire someone specifically to watch their dog so they kind of just left the dog in the house and then um texted me i think after they had already left town and were Mm -hmm. like hey can you just stop in a couple times a day and make sure the dog's okay and i was like i guess guess. like it's kind of just fallen on my weak little shoulders to yeah, what are you going to say? The person who no? takes care of the dog. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm... <laughs> Let the no. dog die. Right. I'm like, but, um, but he's a cool dog, so we've been, we've been hanging out, but also, you know, it's like, please don't do this to me again, I guess yeah, would be my no. main, my main request. Um, That's a no-no. Yeah, it's, it's honestly a big no. I gave, mm-hmm. um, I gave Nick a haircut this week, um, oh, which is always fun. kind of a, like a rough two days i wouldn't say rough like kind of an awkward two days where i'm worried that he hates the haircut and that he blames mm-hmm. me for it and he's constantly trying to like convince me that he likes the haircut um so we did that and uh that's about it cool um so we did receive a message that really bumped me out it bumped me out too and i guess and as a community i feel like we have to talk about we have to address that, this issue. Yeah, we have to address this issue. And I, this is an issue that I have no sort of like time and place for. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's hard for me to place when this would have occurred in my mind. Like, yeah. what specific, and it's, but Probably we do have to address on. it. We have to kind of like come to the table together and talk and about this. Will you read the message? Because I don't even know. Yeah, I'll read the message. Know. I will read this message. I'm not going to like it, but I will. So this person... um, 
this person who, you know, we've never heard from before. No. Uh, don't know who this person age. is. Unidentified, uh, unidentified gender, unidentified age, unidentified kind of like spiritual beingness. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just like sends us this message, kind of like out of the blue, saying, "Just binged a few episodes and love, love, love them." Okay, first of all, thank, thank you, you for your support. And thank so you. I'm on a high note when I read this. I'm yeah. like. <laughs> People are binging the episodes. People are love, love, loving the episodes. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm high. And then my world kind of comes crashing down when this person says, but I'm begging you guys to pronounce Jimmy Choo right. It's like (laughs) nails on a chalkboard. Okay, my question is, how are we saying it? And are we pronouncing it right now? I'm going to say, I'm going to be controversial here. Okay. And I'm going to call you out because I don't think I would have ever said Jimmy Choo wrong. Okay, I probably would have said Jimmy (laughs) Choo But what, Jimmy Choo, as in, like, but that also could be but correct. How, how does this person know how Jimmy Choo is pronounced? I know. Jimmy Choo. Am I saying it wrong? I think I'm saying it right, and I think you're saying yeah. it right, too. I'm just saying, for me, I don't think I would have ever said it wrong. So if somebody allegedly said it wrong, I believe it was you. No, and it would have maybe been I'll just give you space to apologize for that. Um, so I am sorry to my fans. And, um, you know, I was going to post a notes app apology a little later today, but, um, (laughs) you know, this is a more direct line. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to say that, um, I'm learning. Right. And I'm growing. And, you know, um, I apologize if this offended you, but yeah. Okay. And next, next I kind of want to call out this listener. And listener, I'm not going to name you because we love you. Like truly, oh like, yeah, this is a this is you a did loving us a service. You did do us a service, but also I'm like, is it classist to come at us for not knowing how to pronounce Jimmy Choo? I'm just going to kind of leave that. In just the leave that in the air. And I have a request for this listener: um, if you could go ahead and send us in a, a like a sound bite of the correct pronunciation. Yeah, I would. I would be great. I would love it. it. Yeah. Um, Please send us in a soundbite of the correct pronunciation. Um, I would also like to address someone who is not a listener. I'm pretty someone sure. Who, and will never be a listener. And will never be a listener. <laughs> <laughs> but someone on Twitter, we uh, tweeted something that says, yeah, I read theory and it's a picture of all the click books. And this person said, and I agree with all of this, no POC. Yes, that is true. And I hate plaid. Next. I don't like books either. I was deaf a wimpy kid or dork diaries mofo. So, okay. Okay. Before we get to the next part, is this person saying that dork diaries and wimpy kid aren't books because they're they're (laughs) 100% books? (laughs) They are books. I guess there's just more pictures. I guess. So (laughs) this is like every, yeah. And then we said, you know, now, and I don't, you have a, you have younger siblings. I'm sure you have an experience with Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, hell yeah. They're funny. They're they awesome. Funny. I went, um, I once, I've been known to famously, famously, I went to a Diary of a Wimpy Kid event at a library where we all kind of Blue like. Was it at Manatee? No, it was at, um, it, this was in Columbus. Oh, in Columbus. Um, yeah. I went to a Diary of a Wimpy Kid at like the Columbus Public Library event where we all made our own diaries and kind of discussed like. That's fine. What it meant to be a wimpy kid and kind of, you know, all sat at this sort of Socratic round table on what it means to be wimpy. Was this before or after the event that you went to with the um the Twilight? I the think Midnight it was release party. 
Um, I would say it was maybe before. It was in very mm-hmm. quick succession. So either it was like right before or right after. Yeah. There was like a period where I was, you know, kind of making my rounds on library events. That's good. It's very, um, it, that's like such a, going to library events is such a public school kid activity, I feel like. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely went to several like, um, like, both like yoga for kids and like yeah. magic events at right. at my local library. Um, I would, and then I, we wanted to add on that this listener also said, you know, I, I responded to this tweet and I said, we love Manny. And if you don't know, Manny is the little brother in Diary for Wimpy Kid. <laughs> And this person said, and I've been thinking about this all day, um, and I quote, um, he was icon and kept kept it short and sweet. And I've never agreed with anything more. Yes, Manny was an icon. I love this person. I know. I want to have, I know this person isn't listening, but I would love to have them on the pod. I would love to have them on. Maybe we do just like a five minute segment on Manny that we take on like before or after a show. Yeah. He did keep it short and sweet. He did keep it short and sweet. (laughs) Honestly, like this person is totally correct. And I'm just sad that they, you know, don't really care to read because I would love to have them. Well, maybe we can do a Diary of a Wimpy Kid episode. Yeah, where we just kind of, like, look at the pictures of Diary <laughs> yeah, of a Wimpy just, Kid. We interpret from the pictures what we right, think. Right, exactly. We ho- yeah, yeah, that's good. That's the interesting thing about what I've recognized now about more, like, normie Twitter. Having uh-huh. had this, like, having seen all of the fucking tweets, like, responding to our tweet is, like, and I'm not calling everybody normies, but I'm saying there is a certain sect of normies who just retweets it and says, I remember this. Like, they're literally yeah. just retweeting things for recognition. Uh-huh. And it's, like... Which is kind of, like, like they're building their own mind palace on Twitter. Exactly. And I think that's a, probably a healthier way to use Twitter. That is probably a healthier way to use Twitter than me tweeting, like, somebody by Nancy Pelosi again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, and speaking of Twitter, we wanted to talk about um, the uh, Emily Ratajkowski essay. Ratajkowski. Ratajkowski, excuse me. Emrata, if you will. That she wrote for The Cut. Um, but... Um, more uh, specifically, we also wanted to talk about um, an essay that someone wrote about it that we both liked a lot. Um, it's by yeah, Haley... Um, Haley Nauman. Yeah, and I believe that she was a um, former writer for Man Repeller. Um, and I, I'd not heard of her before, but I really, you know, uh, we kind of wanted to talk about this essay. So we both read this Emrata essay, and it's kind of about, it was for the cut, um, also known as both the uh, outlet that published the horse sex article and the outlet that has uh, continuously, I think, rejected yeah. both Sophie and my pitches. So, but we love the cut. Yeah, um, one day. Yeah, one day. <laughs> um, and Emrata wrote something about how she, um, you know, and trigger warning, I guess, here and then also if you're going to read the essay, it, it is kind of graphic, delving into sexual assault. Um, she, um, was kind of sexually assaulted by this photographer and then he continued to sell without her direct consent, like compilation books of her and he continued to profit off of her for years and years. And continues Um, to. And continues to, to this day. Right. Um, Because if you Google this person, like the large, like what it seems like, at least from somebody who like, you know, granted, I don't know a ton about 
how artists make their money, but if you yeah. Google him, the um, Emily Ratajkowski books that he sells um, are mm-hmm. the first things that come up, which leads someone like me to believe that he continues to probably make the large portion of his money off of um, the sale of these books, because he's also reprinted them like three times. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, my first thing, my first response when I read this essay was like, oh, this is really good, first of all. She's a, she's a talented writer. Yeah. Um, and also how horrible to kind of have this experience and go through it. Right. Um, but we also, I think, wanted to talk about this particular essay, and we'll, we'll link it in the, um, in the description, because, um, I, I thought that this, this writer did a really good job of, she's not even necessarily critiquing Emrata herself, but kind of the way that this essay was perceived. Yeah. Um, so basically I would say like, um, Haley Nauman's, um, and I hope that we're saying Mm -hmm. this person's, this writer's name, right. Um, but basically her essay, um, the thesis of it is broadly like, um, that, the way the response to um Radikowski's essay that it was somehow like a powerful political statement is flawed in a lot of ways because it mm-hmm. kind of lines up um with the critique that a lot of people have of um writers like um most prominently Gia Tolentino mm-hmm. that their writing criticizes a certain cultural phenomenon while also playing the other side of it and allowing while still like allowing it to exist and um actually profiting off of it exactly Um, and i would say um you know she she references like i think her name is like lauren oster yeah um the review that she wrote about trick mirror and i really liked trick mirror and i do have to say that i think i think that critique is valid but i also think that gia tolentino is much more um I don't know how if this piece by Emrata uh, delved in as much into like self criticism maybe or right. um, uh, mm, viewing kind of deconstructing these systems in a way that I think Gian Tolentino's does right. whether or not she is profiting of it or not. Yeah, I think that um, it's obviously like very fraught because you can look at look at it like, from two pretty, like, distinct ideological, um, Mm -hmm. standpoints. Like, if we're gonna pick just, like, you know, like, it's college, um, critical theory 101 class. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're gonna attack it from one specific body of theory or another. And the way Mm -hmm. that, um, uh, Nauman kind of looks at it is, um, pretty, like, heavily, like, a Marxist critique, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas if you are to kind of broaden that a little bit, so like, um, Haley Nauman says broadly that this essay from Emily Ratajkowski was largely apolitical in -hmm. terms of actually activating something and like doing something about these systems that she's critiquing. Um, Mm -hmm. and if we're to look at it from the standpoint of the, the title of the piece, which is who owns my image or buying myself back, whatever the actual title was. Um, I would say that maybe it's not like a piece of activism and I would agree with her, but I do think that there is something 
that's actually pretty intensely political about somebody like Emily Ratajkowski um, dictating a sexual assault in such a public mm-hmm. um, forum and also in naming names. Um, yeah. And that's also the fact political. that... Right, that's really political. And the fact that it was not... Um, it was not a black and white, like, rape situation. Like, it was no. like a... It's something that we would all kind of argue is like a gray area sexual assault and for her to say it so unapologetically without qualifying it in any way is I think intensely political. And, and something that like is really um, hard to do, I think. Yes, um, exactly. Cause I mean, I know that I've had like kind of a gray area, you know, sexual assault and, and I'm assuming you have a, most Right. Most Most people have most, uh, you know, um, or many people have, I guess. Yeah. And I, I did find that part of it empowering. Um, and I also don't think, and I don't think Haley Nama was saying this either, that there's anything wrong with her using this form to talk about this. No, I don't think so either. And I don't think that Haley Nauman at all was saying that there was anything particularly wrong with this essay. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was kind of looking, because I know that she, uh, Emrata, has written quite a few um, essays. And one of them that I found really interesting, because I was trying to look up, as I do with most celebrities, is she queer? Um, right. And I didn't find anything, but I did find a piece that she wrote for Harper's <laughs> Bazaar. Where and I didn't talk- find anything, but... <laughs> no, but um, where her she talks about her friend's girlfriend referring to um, uh, Emily as hyper, quote-unquote, hyperfemme. And then she kind of goes into like, well, why did I feel uncomfortable and kind of offended by being called hyper-feminine? And for me, you know, I'm a bisexual woman. I I don't know like where I'd put myself like on that like spectrum of, of femme to butch, but like even I don't necessarily feel comfortable like claiming that word femme because I feel like it's so um, disconnected. I feel like it's hard if you are kind of operating within, um, like, you know, the male gaze, as it were, to, like, to, to distance yourself from from that. And I think that's why it's really empowering for, like, lesbians to claim that, because you're saying, you know, I'm not um, using this as any sort of, like, this is, this is counterculture, kind of, for me to be this right. feminine and, and not being appealing to men. And it's also, like, a, like, like you're saying, I think the like a way to like kind of summarize what you just said is that mm-hmm. it's a hyper queer coded word exactly yeah it's very queer coded that, and that's exactly so i found that interesting that she was kind of equating that with feminine because i do think fem and feminine are very different and have very different connotations right um and you know what i kind of i think ended up like um thinking about is like that's kind of also a way in that like she doesn't she's not necessarily working to like dismantle anything because she ended up saying you know personally uh I found the opposite to be true I feel powerful when I'm feeling myself and sometimes feeling myself means wearing a mini skirt sometimes it means wearing a giant hoodie and sweats sometimes I feel particularly strong and free when I don't wear a bra under a tank top that's just me in that moment. Right. And this is where we get into like the just like super, super trad feminism where it's like, 
Every time we get into it's like, well, and I feel comfortable in all of these different types of identities. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's where and you that's, lose me. And that's kind of where it becomes like extra hard because I don't begrudge her for feeling this no. way. Um, but I definitely had to like, you know, like for, for instance, like I don't really shave. Um, and that was a conscious choice that I had to make to not shave for a little bit to be like, to understand, well, do I really feel just more comfortable, you know, shaving my legs? Or is that a, um, I feel more comfortable because I know that I'm not going to be perceived, that I'm going to be perceived in a certain way. And that was what's get what uh, is getting hard about it. And same with Emrata's piece, like she is doing, you know, um, I guess like kind of resistance within the system. She's buying, trying to buy back her own image, but you know, at the end of the day, she's understanding that money is power. Right. And she's kind of trying to interrogate the system uh, in terms of, well, why is money harder for, like, women to get? But sure. But not necessarily, like, why does this give us power? And, like, how can a system that, like, actively allows this type of disparity anyway be ethical? Right. That's kind of how I feel about it at the end of the day, which is, like, you know, take out the whole element of choice thing mm-hmm. of like whether or not she chose to be a model and she chose a certain like that is mm-hmm. to me pretty irrelevant because it doesn't do any it's not interesting at all no. um like there's no critical perspective there and it's um once you take that out it's very much like okay well so this is a person who has a certain amount of money and therefore power and mm-hmm. wields a, like a pretty good amount of influence um And so the ending, the thesis being kind of like, we should rethink the way, like, image ownership works. Like, Mm -hmm. it does, it's interesting, but it's also like, well, we should think, we should rethink the way ownership works. Yeah, exactly. It, like, doesn't go all the way there, but, but, but we should. Right. It's kind of just like any sort of activism from within a system is always going to be just a little bit like it's sexy because it's like, look at me standing up within this system. Like, it, mm-hmm. um, but it's also not like it always leaves with a little bit like us wanting more, even if it totally accomplishes what it explicitly yeah. states to accomplish. Um, and, and that's what's so hard of like thinking about like, you know you know, revolution, to use a big word, but it's like, how are we going to work outside of these systems when these systems are all that we've ever known? Right. And it's just also frustrating, like, I'm very, I think that we could have stopped having the, at least for cis women, Mm -hmm. we could have stopped having the gender performance discussion maybe, like, three or four years ago, and Mm -hmm. the idea of, like, what you said about, like, you know, her experience of, like, her kind of interaction with the word hyper-femininity and that Mm -hmm. kind of... It's just, like, it's alienating to so many people. It is. Because so many women don't have, A, choice when it comes to gender performance, and B, like, you know, the whole question of, like, passing. Yeah. Um, And so it's just, like... For sure. When, like, it's just not... It's not interesting. It's not doing anything for anybody. You know, it's not changing anyone's lives. Yeah, especially if you think about, like, a 
like the way that your your body is perceived like you know yeah if you're the, the the amount of like labor and stuff that you have to do like as like a trans woman to like pass sometimes it, and and to like say it just seems a little um like yeah it just seems 101 to be like well right. it's my choice to look really feminine and yeah. for for like a cis woman to say and like not like kind of think about well what are the broader implications that and not that an individual working within the system means that they're doing something bad. No. But it's like, how how is my, you know, existing, like, being, like, hyper-feminine, you know, how is that going to affect the way that others are perceived? And how is that going to affect the way that, you know, gender as a right. construct is perceived? And that's and, what's so hard about it. <laughs> right. It is really hard. Like, this is, like, a, an ideological loop that I sort of get myself into a lot is, like, um, when it comes to, like body modification mm-hmm. and um specifically like with regards to um plastic surgery because it's just like it's so fraught because you're like I don't want to be paying into a system that profits off of me wanting to like Looking hot yeah wanting yeah. and specifically like wanting to um perform gender in a certain way yeah but also like like I think it was um Heron Walker, who wrote a piece in Esquire about how she was supposed to um, have FFS, facial feminization surgery, Mm -hmm. um, before the pandemic hit. And then it was deemed an inessential surgery. And um, it's a really great reflection on especially, like, the essentialness of um, certain plastic surgery um certain plastic surgeries in like literally like affirming the lives of trans people mm-hmm. um and i would definitely we sh- we can link that one too yeah um, because um, it deals with a lot of kind of like similar questions that i think we've been discussing here exactly so yeah we just kind of we were just texting about this earlier and we were like oh we should just discuss this on the pod because yeah and i would i mean i would recommend everyone to read the original um emily radikowski <laughs> I, it was definitely me who pronounced Jimmy Shoe wrong because <laughs> my, no, I was my, yeah. I was pronouncing Emily Radikowski's name wrong until yesterday when I listened to a different podcast. Yeah, um, um, but her essay, Haley's essay, um, and then this final uh, Esquire piece that we were talking about. I mean, you know what? It's COVID. We have a lot of time to think. Right. <laughs> Lots <laughs> of time to read. Kind of mull stuff over in our minds you know right but i think that these are things that we at least like and i include our listeners into this Mm -hmm. like things that we talk about a lot like just being the kinds of people that we are and it's really important to have these different perspectives um so that like when you talk and think about these things you are getting like as wide of a like as wide of kind of like a grasp as you can because like, these issues of, like, gender and gender performance particularly are so often talked about through, like, a very cis lens. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, both a cis lens and probably a straight lens a lot of totally. the time, too. Because I've definitely felt like that's, even though, obviously, me by, being bisexual doesn't really, um, that doesn't always have to impact one's gender identity. But for me, it has in terms of, like, the ways that, I find myself performing for a male gaze that I don't find myself when I'm, you know, like 
when I am with a woman, I don't feel those same pressures. Totally. And that's even, you know, and I don't, I don't think that this is the case for me, but you know, like a compulsory heterosexuality is a, is a real thing. And I had started to be like, well, what if I am just like a lesbian? And it's like the me desiring men could be me desiring validation for myself. I don't think that's the case for me, but it's, it's valid. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of lesbians do start off feeling bisexual and then being like kind of deconstructing that for themselves. Right. And what is, what is sexuality if not always just questions? (laughs) Exactly. It's just a big old question mark. Big old question mark. I mean, like, Um, honestly, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Um, So speaking of body modification surgery, (laughs) let's get into this book, shall we? Um, let's get into this book. So, um, I, I wish, I feel like I should have done this, like, at the beginning of when we were starting the summer series, but this week I finally just did, like, some very cursory research into the summer (laughs) series, um, and... I found out that all of these books were released within months or weeks of each other um, mm-hmm. during the summer of 2008. So the first one was released, at, I believe, the beginning of May. And then the last one um, was released at the end of August. So this was over about like a four or five month span. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that I thought would be interesting is let's come up with a hypothetical timeline in which these books were written. Um mm-hmm. You know, like, about how long it took for each book. And also something that was surprising to me is all of these books are the exact same length. So I know a few weeks ago I said that one of the books seemed like it was longer than, like, I think I said that the Dylan book seemed like it was a lot longer than the Kristen book. I was mistaken. Mm -hmm. These books are all exactly 144 pages, which is absolutely... (laughs) Lisey's like, you know what? I know how much I, my editor said I have to hit 144. Right. <laughs> I'm not doing more than that. It's a tweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you, do we think these were released in the order that they were written would be, I guess, my big question. Mm, I definitely know that at the end of every, we've been reading them out of order as far as the summer series goes, but yeah. I think that it's like Massey's first, because at the end of the book, it'll say like, now, you know, check mark, like, uh orlando summer secrets like right uh, a hot euro pop idol so i don't know i'm trying to think of any like sort of like cultural clues within this uh within any of these books that would determine um what order they were written in because it definitely to me seems like Kristen's was kind of a throwaway one totally i personally think it seems like there was a lot and i know we haven't read um, the Massey one yet, but I, I, I remember it pretty well. Yeah, me to too. To me, it seems like the Massey, Claire, and Alicia ones were all maybe ideas that she had. Yeah. Um, regarding things that could happen to each character, you know, because we have in this book, the Alicia book, we have the Nina character come back, which we're going to talk mm-hmm. about because that was, I would th- I would say confusing to say the least is yeah. Nina's kind of characterization in this book. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, so obviously that's a pretty easy idea. Like, oh, Alicia goes to Spain. Nina's also there. Like, book writes itself, pretty much. Um, The Massey one is a story. The Claire one is also a story. Mm -hmm. The Kristen and Dylan ones, you know, not so much. 
No. And the Dylan one, like, at least has a little more interest to it. But I would say that it, both the Dylan and Kristen ones um, are not really great at expressing any sort of interiority for these characters. Right. And I think the Alicia and Claire ones um, are good at that and also express some sort of, like, friction between how they see themselves in a, in a more, you know, uh, in different locations away from Massey. Right. And then that expresses that. But Dylan's and Kristen's don't really dive into that as well, I think. That's what's really interesting because, like, I guess if we're going to talk about it, you know, from, like, um, like, both, like, a queer perspective and sort of, like, a, a post, like, not fully, but, like, an almost post-humanist, um, standpoint, Mm-hmm. Like, there is a lot to be said about this sort of negative space that Massey occupies in both the Claire book and um, specifically here, the Alicia book. Like, there's a lot yeah. of, like, Massey, the lack of Massey being there is as important as if Massey being there had Massey been there. Exactly. exactly. Because it's like, it gives yeah. Alicia this, not only is she defining herself against Massey, but she's defining herself against the absence of Massey. Because mm-hmm. um, at multiple points in the book, you know, it starts off. Um, we learn that Alicia is going to Spain alone because her mom got bad liposuction surgery. I don't think it was her mom. It wasn't her mom. Okay, it no. was her dad is defending a like a her malpractice dad is... liposuction. Right. Her dad yeah. is um, Lem. Lem, which I have a lot of questions about, and this is like sort of an essentialist thing, but I think it's. It's something that I think seems just like an oversight by the author is that Alicia's last name is Rivera, although, which is like a Spanish last name. Yeah. Although it's told to us over and over and over again that Alicia's mom is Spanish while her dad is like presumptively white. Yeah. Even he like white changed American, his name. White American, maybe implied Jewish at a certain right. point. That, yeah, um, that also... Perhaps he changed his name, but I think I mean, it also might be a thing of, like, oh, like, nationality-wise, like, maybe she would have felt if she, both of her parents were Spanish, or, like, from Spain, like, she she would have been like, well, I'm from Spain by proxy, but it, it's like, she is American, she lives in America. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't yeah. know, because, um, uh, they refer to her dad in other books as Len Rivera. Yeah, exactly. So that's why, like, I just doesn't, I don't know. It just seems like, that seems like an authorial mistake rather than something intentional. Yeah. Um, we'll have to look more into this because I do remember in the, these boots were made for, wait, no, maybe Invasion of the Boy Snatchers. There was a little bit of, um, that's when we heard about the Fanish. Okay. Yeah. So, so we, yeah. We'll get back to you guys on that one. Yeah. Um, so, and to talk about more of that negative space that Massey has, um, Alicia's coming into the airport, um, so, uh, she's thinking to herself that she's gonna make, this summer she's gonna become a, a spalfa, a Spanish alpha. The amount um, of times they use that word in this book is, like, Yeah. Showing so to me that alpha is kind of a cultural construct and that it's, uh, fluid. Right. <laughs> alpha can be, it's, it's depending, as Massey wouldn't think of it like this, but, but Alicia being the international traveler she is, understands this. Well, uh, what's interesting is that that's the kind of the attack on of 
like the SP making it Spalfa kind of mm-hmm. em- if we're to really sort of unpack this, I guess it would emphasize to us that the idea of being an alpha is also tied to being American. <laughs> well, it would be uh, alpha. <laughs> well, so maybe but- it just it bleeds into itself. No, but to me, it seems like if we're calling a Spanish alpha a spalfa rather than just an alpha, that shows us that American alpha doesn't need a prefix because they're just that's being true. called alpha. So it's like, damn, that's kind, it's kind of a baseline assumption. Maybe we'll learn really... more about this when we do the alphas books. Maybe we will, because I think yeah. that there's some international yeah, things happening in those books. They yeah. occur in international waters. so mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, Alicia is constantly being like, oh, like, these girls are wearing, you know, these high leather boots, and they're wearing, these men have really slicked back hair, and she's like, Massey would have totally said, like, you know, this is a fashion don't, and would have made fun of it, but Alicia secretly appreciated it. Right. And this, this is... happens so many times in the book, that, that... Uh, Alicia sees something that she likes, but that she knows Massey wouldn't have liked. Right. Like, everything in her head. And this is very... It goes for the Claire book, too, is, like, she's constantly kind of questioning, like, she's catching herself when she's, like, having otherwise an experience of joy and pleasure, like, mm-hmm. being like, well, Massey wouldn't approve of this. Exactly. Um, and also, there's just a lot of, um, sort of, like, um, ham-fisted, stereotypical, like, anti-European shit, like... Yeah. Everybody's oiling their hair and everybody's like wearing flip flops and it's like I don't know, it's very it's kind of lazy. Yeah, it's it's very stereotypical. Um, right. And so uh Alicia gets there and she is she meets her cousins, um I forget their names, I didn't I didn't see Isabel and I forget the other one's name. Hold on. Yeah, something. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure I'm it out. I'm not even going to look it up. I if think I'm being honest. With a C. It does start um, with a C, but it's yeah. it's unimportant, obviously. And they're twins. I think they're about sixteen, right? Yeah. So, so the the delineation between them is is not very well spelled out. They're like identical twins. They're sixteen. No. It doesn't. Um, it's basically told point blank to us, the reader, that that we will have no purpose in delineating between these two twins. So yeah. they don't like. We don't They're need not to. Yeah. right because the at the beginning they this is okay. We got to talk about this at the beginning in the the airport when they come to pick Alicia up. The twins hijack a golf cart mm-hmm. and they're doing donuts in the golf court cart, and then they just kind in of the get airport. off in the airport, and then they just kind of like get off the golf cart as if they like as if they can do that, like as if they wouldn't be kind of like dragged away into some sort of like customs enforcement situation. Well, the driver, there's a driver on the golf cart though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, this is fine. Yeah, he's like, this is fine. These girls, I think that we're supposed to understand these girls as getting away with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's... So, um, Alicia is kind of, you know, taxied back to um, the girls, her cousin's home. You know, mm-hmm. they obviously live with Alicia's aunt and uncle. And they're very rich. And they're very rich, I get. I mean, like, who cares? That seems irrelevant in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And the girls we learn are uh, GR girls, guest relations girls for this <laughs> fancy hotel. And I think we're sort of being led to believe that they did something nasty to secure that role. Yeah. Like I don't. There's, yeah. Because they kind scene, of, they go, their faces go like dark. 
for a second. Right, like, when they ask how they became, like, so basically their sister Nina, who we'll talk about in a second, is like, aren't the GR girls usually, like, top models? And the girls just, like, it's like they didn't respond. I thought it was going to be that they were, like, faking. Like, they were That's what I thought, too. This, or that they snuck in, but... Maybe they were, uh, they may have been taken advantage of. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of, I really think that that's what they're trying to imply to us. (laughs) It's a little dark. Yeah, and that's what I really didn't, I was like, that's just like, like, basically they're trying to imply to us that these girls are kind of loose and (laughs) untrustworthy. Yeah, I don't know. There's not a, um, I I don't know. There's not a, a full, uh interiority of of the way that sexuality is forced upon teen girls but well it's yeah there's just like um like this kind of baseline assumption like this book these books were published so like 2008 and like Mm -hmm. in a lot of the click books it's just at a time where it was still very much okay as another woman to like call Call teen girls slutty right yeah exactly and it's just like it's very, and it's obviously, like, nobody, and as in other books, like, mm-hmm. where c- girls have been actually explicitly called sluts, in this book, like, nobody's explicitly being called a slut, but there's a lot of, like, sort of subtle hints in the writing that's, like, kind of even worse than an, one character explicitly calling another character a slut, where it's, like, this yeah. baseline assumption that these girls, like, that we are supposed to be reading these teen girls as slutty, and that that's not something that's, like, part of any sort of critical analysis like that's no. just like what it's the like, author this is, is intending because they they are kind of they aren't the villains of the book but they are uh they're like loose loosely antagonistic towards towards alicia in some ways right um but uh we i think we are supposed to be like ah slutty bad <laughs> right slutty not good (laughs) yeah like and it's just a very like oh like it's to be confronted with that as a reader in 2020 is very like it's alienating because you're like especially being like these girls are 16 like i'm like this is not something that i feel like as a 23 year old woman reading this it's like oh this is sad right exactly where it's like we're supposed to just kind of like it's supposed to be kind of like a thing that we just see right away about their characters and then move on but instead (laughs) it's it's like, like no it's sad, it's troubling, it's, you know, causing us to kind of, like, it's giving us pause where... That was not the intention. No. And that's always, like, that's something I think we haven't come across a ton in these books, Mm -mm. but, like, when we do, it's always especially troubling, being like, oh, there's no criticism here. Like, we're literally just supposed to understand this thing that is, like, genuinely fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Um... And so the cousins are there at this house, and then their younger sister is Nina, who we've met before, and Nina has a bad haircut. I don't understand the portrayal of Nina. It felt like... So we had this Nina character from, um... Was it... Invasion of the Boy Snatchers. Invasion of the Boy Snatchers, yeah. Um... We had this Nina character from Invasion of the Boy Snatchers where, you know, she kind of famously came to OCD for, like, two months, and, um... Mm -hmm. Kind like of went all, crazy. Yeah, went crazy on the boys. Like, all the boys were obsessed with her. And, like, that was about it. And then now we, like, we're supposed to... Like, Nina's giving us Lane vibes in this book. Yeah, she is. Nina's She's, now like, dark LBR. Lane. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that happened in that, like, um, she got back and her sisters were mad because she stole all her sister's clothes while going over. 
Okay. So, and I, th- I believe that Alicia was surprised that Nina was, like, as hot as she was. But it was mostly because of the, the factor. She kind of oh, created her uh, own own persona in America that I think okay. is not her persona in, in Spain. Right. Okay. That makes mm-hmm. more sense because I was just like, because they're like, when they first introduced Nina in this book, they're like, her shirt was covered in mustard or like something like <laughs> yeah, that. Was like, and well, I was like, yeah, so she is just a, uh, Lane's like, uh, right. Like non-American <laughs> counterpart. <laughs> yeah. It's like, she's literally just like, you know, like evil Lane. And it was like yeah. so troubling because I was like, in the last book we were supposed to be like intimidated by how hot this girl. And now she has like a shitty Amelie haircut and is covered in mustard in an airport. Like, exactly. And they're like, she was, they were like, she was slurping Orangina from a bottle. <laughs> exactly. If Lane was there, like, yeah, basically she's doing like, she, it, I'm shocked that there wasn't something where it was like, she was eating the tapas with her fingers, like Lane would. Do. I guess she's supposed to eat some tapas with her fingers, but like that she right. had like tapas in her pockets. Yeah, or she was shoving. She was shoving her like her um, thumbs into the paella. Yeah, sucking the oil <laughs> off of them. Like some Wearing disgusting... a shrimp as a ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, um, it's interesting. But uh, another character that we learn about is this. There's this really mysterious. Um, Spanish pop star named uh, it's like upside down exclamation point I uh, stylized as upside down exclamation point undercase I uh, regular exclamation point Um, yeah what was funny about this is so I listened to the book on audiobook and so they just kept calling him I (laughs) and so I didn't get the until I read you know went and did research afterwards just yeah. like preparing for the episode I didn't realize that it was stylized as such and that like is the most alienating looking yeah like way of stylizing a name as possible because it's basically three eyes two one of which is upside down yeah you know like because of the exclamation point like mm-hmm. it's just like and then there's, yeah. like, this weird joke where his friends are named G, P, and S, and so it spells out pigs, but it's, like, why? <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah, it's not very good. Um, I was you, really this... thinking yeah. that it was about to be, at the beginning of the book, I was really thinking, and I, I literally rolled my eyes, like, when the I character is first introduced, because I was like, this is about to be a Lizzie McGuire movie, isn't it? And thank Explain God it wasn't. Explain that to me. I'm, I, unfortunately, I have not seen the Lizzie McGuire movie. So in the Lizzie McGuire movie, Lizzie McGuire, um, the titular character, goes to um, to Italy with her eighth grade class on an eighth grade class trip, which sounds like some real fucking private school shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, um, like, she gets there and basically, like, this, um, she somehow meets this pop star who says she looks exactly like his former duet partner Mm -hmm. who like has quit the music business and like Mm -hmm. disappeared so basically he tells lizzie that she should kind of like play as this girl and just lip sync the parts um and they you know obviously like there's like a love connection even though Mm -hmm. they're both ostensibly like 14 and um then there's, like, some trickery where he turns out to be not who he says he is, which kind of happens. And, you know, as an adult reader, it's very clear. Everyone, Incredibly they're immediately clear. like, we haven't seen I. Like, no yeah. one's actually seen him. It's like, okay, oh. so he's not who he says he is. What this immediately reminded me of was the Arthur episode where the <gasps> band just Binky to say that. comes in. 
<laughs> it was just about I literally like I thought you were gonna think I was crazy for saying that no no that's literally insane so I'm gonna um read the uh Wikipedia description on the Arthur on arthur.fandom.com for Binky, <laughs> the band Binky do we have is- any Arthur fans who are listening? oh my god shout Let's out a- honestly you know um just to give a little spoiler not a spoiler but a little you know hint um my brother Clark uh, and I are kind of want to do a limited run series where we go through the Happy Madison movies. And Lovely. Clark and I are, we're very big Arthur fans. Yeah. So maybe we'll have him on, on one of these apps. We talk about Binky. Um, so Binky is a Finnish band that becomes number one on the charts <laughs> in the U.S. in just two hours. Do you, you remember epi- how the song goes? Because I do. Maybe I can, I can pull it up. Um, I'll put uh, it in if you Yeah, put it it in. Um, uh, In the episodes Binky Rules and Meet Binky, all the kids are talking about them. Because their name is the same as Binky Barnes, Binky is the bulldog uh, bully. Binky the character is. Um, They got Binky in trouble until Buster and Fern figured it out. At their first concert, it is learned that they are just holograms created by their manager, Sverns, Troglovite 2000, and their songs are made by his partner, Winston's music emulation machine. However, in later episodes, their character models are reused for non-binky roles. So it's like uh-huh. they go; all these kids go to this concert, and they're so shocked because they're just holograms. Like it's just like this. Like, <laughs> and in a lot of ways, this is also inciting the Arthur thing is also inciting European panic and anti-European attitudes because it's like, look at these fucking Finnish people. You can't trust a single one of them. But yeah, clearly this guy is not. Right. Any adult, like you said, I really like that you said any adult reader would see this because it's like, (laughs) exactly. It's just like some of the things and it it was, it went similarly with um, running out of time last week to plug Mm -hmm. that episode, which if you haven't listened to, go listen to it. Seriously, maybe my favorite episode of all time because Mm -hmm. of just how awesome hanging out with Mary and Allison was. Um, But the, um, like over and over again it's like well i couldn't make it tonight and it's like well uh, no shit because he's not because he's not a real person exactly it was just like it was enraging like over and over listening to like them Mm -hmm. being like well i like uh it's weird none of us have seen i lately and it's like yeah yeah no we get it like they they're all like hanging out at this hotel because they there's gonna be this contest and you'll get to be an eyes music video which is a remix of the rain in spain <laughs> oh and there was also a um a really weird thing where it was like he wanted like a natural spanish beauty to be in yeah. the video and it was like this weird like racial essentialism of being mm-hmm. like well like the cousins were like well alicia you can't be in the video because you're half you're spanish American. you're fake spanish yeah it was like um, you can't yeah. be in the video if you're, like, not, like, a 100% Spanish purebred, and it's, like, yeah, that's a kind of a, definitely something to rethink if you're gonna write that in your book, how that might yeah. come across. And there is a certain point, you know, where, um, can I, can I skip ahead and say I Please identity? skip ahead. Okay, so, you know, basically, um, we learned that I is actually this British chav that Alicia has met. Yeah, and- this guy who's been hitting on Alicia since day one. Which also, you could say, as soon as this guy talked to her, I was like, oh, he's I. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, literally. It's like, okay, not kind of cute male character, but Alicia's like, I can't talk to him because he's British and I'm American. Because he's and not all- I. Yeah, yeah, he's not I. Um, they also keep, the only reason, the only hint that I may be real is that they keep saying, like, well, we saw his hand over his balcony, and it's like a rubber arm. Right. Which it's is, like, like why that detail? Yeah, why exactly. Was that you don't book? need to do that. Right. Management team. Um, but 
there's there's also like oh like they I was in this band and they really liked my voice but they didn't like that I was British and Spanish and Spain really wanted like a pop <sighs> idol so they you know changed they like they airbrushed my body and I'm like Brown I don't face. obviously I don't and this is something I don't feel well educated on so like I know that like Spanish people from Spain d- that doesn't necessarily mean you are not white you know if you're Hispanic right. that doesn't necessarily quite not white but I'm like what is there, like, a brown face thing going on here? Like, because he's described as, like, very pasty and pale. Right. I would I don't, say... I don't know. There's a little bit of... Right. Mm. So, like you said, it's important to emphasize that, like, Spanish... People who are Spanish, like, can be any race. Right, Because exactly. it's a nationality. It's a nationality. Um, and so Spanish doesn't really dictate, you know, your racial makeup, whatever, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, but any time that somebody's skin is darkened for the purpose of making them look a certain like not you know obviously like you know you can get into like spray tanning or whatever yeah. um, well instagram face as well exactly as Haley brought up in her essay kind of yeah which emrata does do 100 percent. yeah um like any any skin darkening um even to some degree um spray tanning mm-hmm. um like there's some there's something to think about, I would say. Yeah. And are, especially in this case where yeah. they're like, well, in order to look this certain identity, we will be darkening your skin. I would say that's 100% problematic. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's not really, you know, interrogated. No. Um, it's I, just kind of like, guess that I tricked ya, eh? Right. Which is Me also beans, I tricked ya. problematic in the way that it's like, like looking at like, like racial deception and mm-hmm. like that idea. It's just like yeah. the whole thing. It's feels very like I, it's something that I think we, we constantly come up against in these books, which is like, this just doesn't, it doesn't feel intentionally bad, but it also just doesn't feel felt through because any adult no. perspective of it is being like, let's, shall we step back for a moment? Yeah. Think about the, this? the editor needed to kind of crack right. down on this, but also um, in 2008, yeah. you know, thinking of the way like the editorial makeup of the world in 2008 was probably incredibly very undiscerning when it came to things like this yeah um and at a certain point they all go to this like premiere party at this hotel and alicia and nina get in a fight because nina has stolen (laughs) alicia's earrings and they topple over this statue of this uh juan belmonte who's this famous i didn't look up that this was real matador i I guarantee you it's not real yeah um and so the like you know the hotel manager calls him aside and she's like you guys caused in american currency twenty nine thousand dollars in damage so what you can do is you girlfriend can work has for me like for a, a summer. Yeah, right there. yeah, exactly. And work for us for a summer to pay this off. Which, if I made thirty k at a summer job, yeah, I would not have student loans right now. So if I, I made like... like that's more than I made this year. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's that's a salary as a teen girl. You're not making like a uh, you know an entry level like professional job salary. But um, alternatively maybe labor laws are better in spain yeah that would be honestly maybe this is like a a little nudge by nisi being like hey nisi sorry i've been watching a lot of clean house (laughs) i have nisi nash on the brain i think about clean house almost every single day it's available for streaming on e or no on nbc interesting Uh, so 
Yeah, I I have to say shout out to Nisi Nash for being gay now. Yeah. That's fun to me. <laughs> clean House, I'm just going to quick Clean House tangent. It's a great makeover show because they come in and they clean and organize people's houses, but they're only allowed to use the money that they make off of they do the match it to sale. a certain point. Yeah, but off of a garage sale. So it's the garage so good. sale is a big aspect. It's really good. And it feels achievable. Yeah. It's like I could have a garage sale. Yeah, exactly. And make it's over a my lot... child's playroom. It's very much like... um Trading spaces. Yes, it's a very like... Whereas a lot of these HGTV-esque shows are um, more focused on like weird aspirational like trend-setting shit. Clean House is very much like how can we actually make a sustainable lift, uh, difference in the lives of normal people? Exactly. So it's it's great. Um, <laughs> clean House is praxis. Look for my yeah, new clean article House... on the Jacobian. <laughs> that's like that's one hundred percent true. You can quote this podcast. Clean House is praxis. Yeah, Clean House is praxis. Yeah. Um. So um. You know um. Basically, that's another thing is that they're at this hotel all summer and Nina and Alicia, like, Nina keeps tricking Alicia to get back at her for, um, you know, basically calling the police on her um, last summer when she learned that she was stealing all this stuff, which, yeah, okay, honestly, Nina, go off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, we're gonna, oh, we're, we're getting revenge on a cop, like, get in, girls. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. Um and but then at a certain point we learned that, you know, Nina's uh, older sisters were really mad at her because she stole all their boots. So they made her like do 150 acts of like forgiveness or something. And this one was of them... also something that didn't need to be in the book. No, and one of them was dyeing her hair blonde and giving herself like a like a haircut with bangs, which I do have to say, Sophie is your haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, so, the reason I have this yeah. haircut is because I wronged some um, European twins and they were like, we're putting a curse on you where you have to do something we say 150 times. You wronged and those I said, twins curse who, I've you. Up, who I've been obsessed with the past two days, who are the twins who are like, who painted the Mona Lisa? <laughs> da Vinci? <laughs> so you wronged those twins. You said it's actually Da Vinci. And they said, okay. I oh, think well. I wronged the Martinez brothers. <laughs> yeah. Are those the kids in um... Team 10? Yeah, Team 10. Yeah, but they who are. Um, you, Jake... you said, hold up, hold up, hold up. Can we switch, Can the, we language switch the language back to English? And they yeah. said, no. no. <laughs> um, the best thing about just to di- like um digress for a minute um but the the best thing about the the martinez brothers scandal Mm -hmm. is that the whole thing that came out was that you know because they came to spain from the u.s or they came to the u.s from spain to live in the team 10 house like this was Mm -hmm. their first exposure to american culture and they barely spoke english and so the whole thing and they were like 14 so the the whole experience was largely terrifying for them because they oh had God, no idea yeah. what was going on and Jake Paul was screaming at them. And they eventually found out via, like, sort of the counsel of other people that what Jake Paul was yelling at them when he, you know, woke them up early in the morning with, like, a chainsaw or, like, chased them around the yard with paintball guns were, like, slurs against <laughs> uh, Mexican people. That's upsetting. Which is just wrong on so many levels because these yeah. guys are like white Spanish dudes and yeah. like Jake Paul was like using these slurs against like Mexican and Latinx people and like Yeah, Jake Paul doesn't have done his he hasn't done his uh, critical race theory reading. No. Yet, and it's so. also just like so sad that these like 14-year-old children were who like did not speak English were being like terrorized like on camera and like that that's allowed to happen. Like Yeah, upsetting are... on so many 
many levels. Yeah, we need YouTube labor laws. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, there needs, like, we do. So, let's get we it going, We need a Team Congress. 10 union. Yeah, we do. If I'm being honest, these kids in the influencer houses, like, obviously Team 10, it's funny to think about because it's now almost with these TikTok houses, like, an antiquated concept. Like, yeah, the a YouTuber house. house is kind of, like, it old seems news. old news. Right. Um, but the T, like, with these they need unions like they need protection because their parents like clearly don't give a fuck like the d'amelio mom is using charlie's money to pay for like you know skinny jeans and like (laughs) it's so upsetting yeah um we also learn at a certain point that um there are so there are peacocks walking all around this hotel and alicia's like how are there peacocks but there are no staff it's because the peacocks have cameras on them this didn't make any sense. No. Um, very loose. Like, just... Wh- security cameras do exist. Like, I don't think these peacocks need to, like, you know, be in the midst of things. Also, like, a peacock looking at eye level for... Some- like, it's, like, gonna be looking at everyone's ass. Like, you're not gonna see any identifying facial features. This was also something that struck me as not needing to be in this book. No. Um, but we know... Like, so, Alicia and Nina are kind of, like, locked into their contract of helping with um you know at this hotel all summer and but they both want to be like auditioned for this i music video so they they try to trick the older sisters by being like oh no it's raining outside the audition's canceled um but then they go and and they uh you know leave their shift early at the peacock in the peacock pen early by you know removing all these uh you know cameras from these peacocks but then the girls are already there and they win the the twin girls win um and then so alicia and nina are still working and then they see these girls you know being forced to lick they're like i couldn't be here so we're using a stand-in and basically what they're having to do in this video is is licking um chocolate ice cream off the chest of a hairy man um and then so gross the british chav comes over and he's like told you you wouldn't want to win the video Hey, mate. me drums, mate. Um, <laughs> um, and then they're like, oh my gosh, like he's I. And then he's like, I've paid off your yacht, you know, or I've paid off your, uh, you know, damage that you did to the uh, the statue. So now come on my yacht. Um, it's how all these fucking summer series books end. Yeah, it's like, actually, th- this one, at least there was a little bit like, this was probably my favorite one so far. It was the most interesting to me. To me, I'm a sucker for a beauty pageant, so the Claire one I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I just um, liked these older sister characters better than the the Sari, like, the whatever that yeah. group of friends was called. That was... But I just... Like, I've come to realize that these summer books are incredibly just, like, one thing happens, and it happens for the entire novel, and mm-hmm. that's... and it's just like like you know like you can guess the ending of the book like maybe 20 pages in exactly um and yeah also something that that happened that i didn't mention yet was that nina and alicia kind of have a moment when alicia's like why do you want to be friends all of a sudden and nina's like what do you mean all of a sudden nina asked um i wanted to be your friend when i got to westchester but you chose boys in the pretty committee over me now you come here and all you want to do is hang out with my terrible sister my terrible sisters you never liked me and then alicia says opposite of true you came and stole my crushes and blah 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 
I liked this moment. I did like that they bonded and that they, they did become friends. Um, kind of in the absence. I mean, I, you know, is a boy, but like, right. Without Massey and without these constant like threats via Massey of being like, you have to like these boys. Yeah. They were able to thrive. And at a certain point, you know, I says to them, you know, you can't tell anyone who I am. Um, and Alicia says, done. Uh, Alicia grabbed hold of his hands firmly, cementing their pact. She had never chosen loyalty over gossip before. But then again, she had never folded a towel, bonded with Nina, or decided that being an alpha was a lot less fun than just being herself. Is that any of that, you know, knowledge retained in the, no. in the next books? No. But, I mean, it does it does give us something to see this side of alicia and it is like a cool realization like Mm -hmm. that scene you bring up with nina where she's like i did want to be your friend when i got to westchester because it shows us it reminds us something that we have to be reminded and we don't get to be reminded a lot which is that these girls are bullies yeah exactly they are bullies um Um, yeah and And i guess we see that here with alicia and with claire too right and with Claire, it's almost the opposite of she, tr- she's feeling these old reflexes come back, but she's like, she at the end is like, no, it's actually better to have, um, these reflexes that Massey has taught me. And hold on, will oh, you hold for a sec? I think yeah. your, um, your mic is like scraping up against your neck. So it's just causing okay. like a little bit of, so say whatever you were saying again. It's just, oh, like, causing is that a better feedback. now? Yeah. Okay. Um, just that Claire kind of has the opposite uh, thing where she at the end is like, actually, I like my personality better. Um, I feel better about myself when I'm doing what Massey tells me to do. And Alicia kind of has the opposite realization, which I think is interesting. Right. Because I, I, yeah, I famously I, did not like the moral of the Claire book. And I think we kind of disagreed on that a little bit. But like, I don't like the moral of this one either in that she doesn't, she doesn't retain any of it. Well, the interesting thing about any moral in these books is that it's either instantly forgotten or ignored purposefully. Exactly. Like, there's never any actual growth because actual growth would, um, like, cause connote... these books to not be able to be written. Exactly. Like, it would connote <laughs> the ending of the books because, like, there would just would be, like, if these girls were acting normal, it would be even more boring than it already is. Yeah, exactly. Um, um yeah. But yeah, that's a really good, that's a very good point about this book cool yeah Um, so i guess this book is pretty much wrapped up um we wanted to go ahead and answer a few listener questions Um, yeah we got some texts yeah that we gotta open up and also um while sophie's opening that up uh we did want to announce that we are going to be doing weekly episodes from here on out yeah which we've already done kind of a little bit but we are officially transitioning into the weekly episode format yeah um, and definitely, like, any feedback you have for us regarding episode format or what you want to hear, um, we're always super open to. So DM us um, and uh, we can have a chat. Yeah, for um, sure. So speaking of which, let's get into these texts. Um. So this one um, is from a tweet that we got, and I think it pertains to this book. Mm -hmm. Um, 
were mashy mashy <laughs> i'm losing my mind mashy we're mashy. Um, <laughs> mashy um were massey and alicia in love this is not a perspective i think we've discussed before mm, we've discussed massey and claire but not right. necessarily massey and alicia i mean i think that alicia definitely after reading this book i would say there's more queer feelings from alicia towards massey than vice versa i don't think massey necessarily i there and saint massey is often for me the point of desire from these other girls and there are some queer interactions but i would say massey herself is never um massey is one of the least queer of the three yes i would say look at it like this if we're if alicia were to fall off the face of the earth would Massey notice? No. No. Um, but Alicia and Claire, like you said, very much revolve around Massey. Like, Massey is, as you put it very astutely, the point of desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're in love? No. No. Is there some sort of queer desire going on directionally from Alicia to Massey, of course? Yes, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, here's another one. Um, do you think Raphael would be less rude to the other mutant ninja turtles if he smoked weed? I don't even have, like, a perspective. I don't even have a jumping off point for this question. And here's what I'm gonna say, is that didn't all of them smoke weed? Because they ate pizza all the time. I don't know how you're eating pizza every single day unless you're ingesting some THC. Right. Unless you're ingesting something that causes your, um, like, stomach acids to not react vol- <laughs> in a volatile way towards towards cheese 24 7 yeah like that to me i mean also but i don't know anything like i'm the first to admit when i don't know something and i don't know anything about the digestive tracts of um amphibians so no me neither maybe they're fine like i mean yeah they could be yeah. fine i don't think i but it, i will tell you what i don't like though mm-hmm. is i don't like projecting drug use and I do not like projecting drug use and deviant behaviors onto children's cartoon characters. No, that's fair. But you know what? We're kind of a we're kind of a fucked up podcast. Yeah, we're kind of fucked up. We got up. some things that make you go, hmm, in terms of you know, <laughs> dark dark secrets teenage mutant ninja turtles never right. told you. And the thumbnail is is one of them <laughs> holding a slice of pizza in the pizza is circled. Right. Yeah, I think um I guess we can leave this question open to our listeners. Yeah, you tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing this question right back at you. Yeah. Um, all right. Do we want to do state, state of the Union for the week? Sure. Um, you know what? I'm going to say in this week is um, eating chocolate croissants because my girlfriend okay. had just made some. Yeah. And oh, they wow. smell good. And... Well, she made made being that she put them in the oven. They, they were Trader Joe's frozen chocolate croissants. Um, but we have made croissants before, and that was a fun experience. So um, yeah. I'm going to say in is croissants as a whole. I also had a delicious breakfast sandwich from Starbucks this morning. That Love it was it. an English muffin, but, you know, that's croissant adjacent. Right. Um, out is going to be um, a non-click-related Twitter for me this Situations. week. Situations, yeah. Situations. Okay. Did I, after RBG died, did I have to delete the app because I was going into a, a doom spiral? Yes. Yes. Um, but then I, I was brought back by everyone saying, I read these books. Right. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, I remember these. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, if I wasn't on Twitter, I wouldn't have seen that 
um, Manny was an icon and that he kept it short and sweet. I wouldn't have seen that. So you win some, you lose some. What about you, Sophie? Um, I would say in for me would be, um, honestly, like this weather, like get outside right now. Enjoy this weather because we're, we're in like the, I would say the three week transition period between summer and fall and after this it's going to get real dark for all of us yeah Um, it's really nice and it's really nice right now and out um the centering of mitch mcconnell and all of these conversations about what's gonna happen like so after i mean if you have the internet you know that after rbg died basically the viral link was this um this fun by like you know like the pod save america guys called get mitch or die trying which basically um splits your money between like several people who are running for senate against prominent republicans and it's Mm -hmm. like while i am i guess vote neutral like i don't think being pro voting is a thing like i just am like you should vote because if you have the power to do so because it's like why not Mm -hmm. um it can't hurt no, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> your vote is never going to hurt. Like, you voting is just, like, it's, um, if you're in the position to do so, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, like, just, like, I don't want to, I don't ever want to get into a conversation with someone where I'm, like, trying to, like, somebody who feels kind of shirked by the system, I'm never going to get into a conversation with them where I'm trying to, like, tell them it's their duty as an american to vote like i just don't like i don't care i'm just saying like if you can like probably do and like yeah you're not gonna yeah like you're if if, if you're of like our our like you know racial and you know economic makeup yeah economic makeup it's like just like you know how to you you have all there's no there's no roadblocks for you to to right to that so you might as well do it it's just something to do it's just a fun little activity i know it's It's just just, a little hobby i don't and to have any sort of my it's embarrassing to have any sort of strong feelings towards voting yeah. on either either direction. way yeah yeah like it's not you're not a hero for voting you're not like there's nothing like particularly but you're not a hero for not voting either. exactly it's just something to do i guess the slogan here would be like voting don't be a hero you know what i yeah. mean like mm-hmm. no heroics in the voting like i don't want to see messages either way i want to see please vote if you can, because largely for a lot of us, you know, I would say middle class white folks, it's easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's been designed to be so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what I really think that we need to stop doing as, like, people who are politically engaged is, say, like, Mitch McConnell is going to push through the Republican nominee for... Yeah. Um, the Supreme Court. That's his job. It's our job to play equally at our, as in, like, I, I guess I'm saying Nancy our Pelosi. to refer to the, yeah, me, Nancy Pelosi, You're and the rest of the Democratic establishment. <laughs> yeah. It's their job to stop being pussies and start playing, like, yeah, hardball. Yeah, because the, the fucking court. Yeah, because they've been yeah. getting, they've been getting fucked, play, like, trying to hold this, like, weird, um, elitist moral high ground for the past like i guess six years now yeah and it's like no like do something republicans think that they have that high ground anyway right exactly so it's not helping anyone nothing nobody is being helped by this like they somebody needs to buck up and go Mm -hmm. full 
kamikaze on not letting this seat get filled until, you know, fingers crossed Trump is no longer president. Yeah. It's just like, we can't, like, y'all sitting out here being like, well, like, retweet this shit every single day to show that Mitch McConnell's a hypocrite. I'm like, Mitch McConnell is fully comfortable being a hypocrite and going straight to hell. Yeah, Yeah, like, this man doesn't give a fuck. Exactly. And it's not gonna, it's not really gonna help us necessarily. No, stop. Um, And Mitch McConnell doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about us. He's not reading our Twitter. He's not, he's not saying I read the click book, so I don't know. (laughs) He's not, he's not retweeting being like, I remember these, period. (laughs) Like. Yeah, exactly. He, well, um, I don't know. Would Mitch McConnell say that Manny is an icon? No. Because he kept it short and sweet. Mitch McConnell is like anti-Manny. Mitch McConnell is Dork Diaries. <laughs> Mitch McConnell is Dork Diaries. Yeah. Mitch McConnell Roderick Rules. Yes. Mitch McConnell <laughs> Dork Diaries. Mitch McConnell um Mitch McConnell is like a Rowley stan. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, the thing is, like, if Mitch McConnell came out and was like, yes, I love Zooey Mama, I would be like, <laughs> you know what? I agree with you on that. Right. That's yeah. when we can we can start centering political figures when they tell us what their opinion on Zooey Mama is. Exactly. And that should be a basic you should have to answer that as you're getting sworn into whatever role you're yeah. in. And you when we Zooey host Mama's a debate, funny? when we host a debate, I'm looking <laughs> fucking Joe Biden straight in his beady little eyes and saying, Say Zooey Mama. Say gun to Joe Biden's head. Say it. Say Zooey Mama. Say Baba Booey, say Zooey Mama. Say Baba Booey, say Zooey Mama. Yeah. And we're cool. And we're cool. And yeah. Yeah. If your vote, if Joe Biden, like after his name, like put like a little like Zooey mama after it. What? You know, he's getting even... that check mark. He's getting that vote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think okay, that's guys. a great place to leave it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and uh, follow us on our socials, Girls Like Us show on Twitter and Insta. Um, go ahead and leave us a review. That's super helpful for us. Um, feel free to dm us send us any feedback you want um um yes uh i just want to double triple emphasize what fran said about leaving a review um and i want to sign off um by saying this review that we got um moments ago oh yeah uh please do an episode where you figure out which medications each of the girls would be on (laughs) personally i think mass would be on several different antidepressants looking back at it homegirl was severely messed up oh yes for sure and that's true and you know maybe who knows? Um, maybe we will do that in the future. Maybe we probably won't, though, because projecting, you know, projecting, sort of diagnoses yes. onto these girls <laughs> onto would these be girls, inappropriate. Mm, no. Yeah. I can only speak for the... I can say whether they've been on Zoloft, Lexapro, <laughs> Luvox, or Prozac. But I have no... I'm only on that SSRI train, so I don't have a great, you know. <laughs> um, and our theme song is by Lakey. Uh, and we'll go ahead and link all those articles that we talked about in the, um, in the bio. And also I think I might start linking cause someone said like, you know, it can be hard to follow, which these books are 120 pages. So you might as well just read them. But also I did the click wiki is actually, it has pretty good summaries. Uh, so I might yeah, they start do. linking that too. So you can just kind of read along, um, just to, you know, so you're not as lost as usual. But yeah. All right. Peace out everybody. Bye. Bye. Thinking about that girl with your guy there. I'm not